Somebody can say, I love you. That's good. That feels good, doesn't it, to start? It's like, while you're here, preach the word. That, that's a whole different intro. This was great. Thank you. Um, it's, it's been a real honor to be here uh, with your church again. Uh, I say again because I was here about two and a half years ago, and I was debating with uh, one of your former pastors, Mark Peters, who was in the audience that day, if I was wearing the same shirt as I am today. And he wasn't sure, uh, because he's also a man. And so we couldn't remember. Um, but he said, you know what, they probably won't remember. And I, then I thought, well, I, I have filled this shirt out a bit more since then, so it'll look different either way. So that's, that's good, maybe, uh, for me. We'll see. Um, either way, it's great to be back with you again uh, here today. Uh, I always say it's good to be invited somewhere. It's great to be invited back. Um, maybe people just forgot uh, how that went last time. But um, Dave still invited me, so bless you for that. Also, um, I just want to say you have an incredible team here. Uh, this is important for you to hear. You have an incredible team here. Uh, I get to minister in a lot of places. Um, in fact, I think the next six weeks I'm in six churches, uh, speaking at different points in different places, uh, up and down uh, throughout our province. And I get to minister in a lot of places, and I meet beautiful people everywhere I go. In every church, there is incredible people. Um, but I really love your staff, and I really love the people that God has here today. And, and I need you to hear this. They are godly men and women. They have callings on their lives. They are set apart for this ministry uniquely, and God has got them here for this moment in this time. And Dave is a man who has had a long obedience in the same direction. And as a church, I, I don't know if you know what that means to you. I don't know if you know how significant that actually is to have him here this many years and to love the church and the bride like he has. Uh, he and Joanne have ministered uh, deeply through prayer, through intercession, through the different callings you've given them over the years and the things that God has called them to. And, and I just want to honor him today uh, for the leadership from my, my seat as a man who has been under authority for years but has also been blessed tremendously by Dave. Um, you, you need to understand what a blessing he is, not just in your, your community, in your church, but in the larger church and in the kingdom around you. Sometimes we don't know that when we're in a church. So can we just bless Dave? Yeah, bless you, Dave. people that have been here for many years and uh, for your staff and team who have been here in different capacities serving in different ways for as long as you have uh, would you know what an incredible blessing that is to have people who have ministered uh, in prayer in youth ministry in kids ministries in different places uh, in intercession in ways like pastor ann who have been ministering and interceding for years um, would you understand what an incredible gift it is to have administrators who know the story of the church as long as the church has known it um, when I go to churches, sometimes I meet people that have been there for a year or two years, and they've been there a long time. This is a gift to have leaders who have known the story, loved Jesus through it still, and continue to follow him and help others to meet him as well. So uh, I don't know if I'm going to get to say that the next service the same way, but be blessed. 
you and the team, and uh, know that you are loved. Um, my wife, Carmen, and I have an organization called Threshold Initiatives. We, we've both been in the Alliance denomination for a number of years. That's, as Dave mentioned, that's where I met Dave, was at a youth pastor's retreat years ago. And uh, Dave, uh, of course, uh, as he does, always finds a way to uniquely love and bless each person, even if he doesn't know them. But he chose to do that for me that day and helped me to actually get into a door of another church, which is a whole other story for another time. But he was looking out for me even at that point in time. And today I have the privilege of coming back around and doing the same for you. Bless you uh, to serve you as well. Uh, so my wife, Carmen, and I have this organization, Threshold Initiatives, that equips people for transformational living. Uh, our whole goal now as pastor leaders, which we are, we're still credentialed and ordained in the Alliance, don't worry. Uh, we still love the church, we still love the bride, um, but we have a, a desire to help people to take next steps in their faith. I, I don't know about you, but have you ever felt stuck in your faith at any point in time in your journey? I have. Uh, even recently, I've had moments where I was like, okay, God, what are we doing here? <laughs> okay, and that question, the way I just asked that is gonna come up later in the story, just so you hear this. Um, God, what are we doing here? Please hear that. Um, we have an opportunity in this season to support many churches, to support many leaders, but also people in the pews who are just trying to figure out how to walk well with Jesus in this time. Uh, if you're interested in more of what we do, that's a QR code. You can hold up your phone to it, apparently, uh, as my wife tells me, and it will take you right to our website, and you can learn about what we do. Uh, and it's just really fun uh, to be able to hold your phone up in church. Anyways. Uh, this morning, I have a privilege also to be able to enter into your series. So if you have a Bible, I'm going to encourage you to open up a Bible uh, with me to Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 11. This is the ascension of Jesus. Um, I love going to churches where I have an opportunity to, to step into a series. I don't always do that, uh, to step into the series, but, um, but Dave had asked if I'd be willing uh, to preach here and, uh, and said, here's where we're at. Would you be willing to preach this? And I said, yeah, I love this story. Uh, so yes, I, I want to be a part of that. Uh, so today I'm continuing this series uh, and stepping in. Uh, and as we open the word, would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, would you come? Uh, would you minister to our hearts and lives today the words and works of Jesus? Uh, would you release into each one of us that which you want to do for your kingdom's sake? Uh, would you do a work in us that maybe we didn't even know was coming today? But because we're here, our hearts are open, we're available to you, you can speak to us. So Holy Spirit, would you speak? Would you reveal Jesus? And Jesus, as we get to know you more, would we get a sense of what the Father's love's like? And would that transform us and change us from the inside out? In your name we pray and everybody said together, amen. Okay, I'm gonna walk you through a lot of scripture this morning, just so you know, uh, because I'm trying to paint, paint a full picture for you. Sometimes we get this sense of these little moments or standalones, but this is an actual larger story at work here. Uh, the ascension of Christ isn't just about him getting out. Okay, this is also about us stepping in and having access to the throne room of heaven. Uh, as we do that this morning, I'm also gonna prepare you to understand that we are moving towards communion. This isn't just a fancy snack for later. Uh, so we will be stepping in together towards that, having a communion moment for those who are interested in Jesus and walking towards him and wanting to remember him. So just as a heads up, nobody likes surprises, right? So, so let's read the word together this morning. This is the word of the Lord for us from Acts chapter 1. <clears throat> uh, so when they met together, they asked him, and it's going to be up on the screen as well, and they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this, this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? This is Jesus' disciples saying to Jesus, this is what, this is what they're asking. Uh, are you going to restore at this time the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, 
But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Okay, so this concentric circles moving out from the very place they found themselves in that moment to as far as they knew and had explored at that point in time. Okay, we weren't on their radar, but we were on God's. Okay, so find yourself in that story. After this, he said this. Uh, after, sorry, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Uh, they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go to heaven. To which I always thought as a kid, why am I looking at the sky? Because if he's going and he's coming back, I should probably keep watching. Right? Uh, if that's where he's going to come back from, I should probably keep watching. I don't want to lose the spot. Right? Uh, I went down on Lonsdale yesterday for a couple hours walking, just enjoying culture and beauty and smells and everything here, and the cold, um, but less cold than where I'm from. <laughs> I'm from Vernon in the Okanagan, and it was minus 27 the other day. My parents are in Alberta, minus 40. My brother's in northern Alberta, whole different thing. There's polar bears. Um, so uh, if, I can, if I'm in Lonsdale, I'm walking down the road, I had this moment where I went, where did I park? Okay? I'm in a white car in the snow, so I, d I don't even know. And it's not even my car, it's a rental, so I have no idea what it is. Um, and so I kept checking streets, and eventually I found my car, which is wonderful because I was so cold. Um, but you want to know where you're going if, if you're involved in something like this, and you want to know if somebody has left you where they're coming back from. So at this point in time, the disciples are watching, but they've been told by the angels, hey, these aren't just men, in, men dressed in white, these are angels uh, present with them that say, hey, he's gone and it's okay. What were you called to do? Go do it. Stop watching. Go be what you've been called to be. Step in. So here's where we find ourselves today in the book of Acts. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has come into the human story, as Dave mentioned already. The world that he has created, he has now come into to seek and save his most special creation, humanity. He was born of a virgin, Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit within her. He was born as we are a baby. Uh, a couple babies in the audience today. That's wonderful. I love babies in the audience. So good. He was born as we are, he grew up, and at some point in time lost his adopted father, Joseph. Whether as a child or a young man, we don't know specifically. He was raised by a mom, single mom from there. He grew up into a man who loved God, his word, his people, and was without sin, as we're told. He lived a sinless life, and at around 30 years old, he called a group of men and women to follow him and become his disciples, his followers, and these people walked away from everything to follow him. They wanted to become just like Jesus, and they gave their lives to that calling. Along the way, they discovered through circumstance, through divine encounters with God, through Jesus' alignment with prophecies of old, and through Jesus' very words to them that he was, in fact, God, God's son. He was the Messiah, the one that had been spoken about 400 years previously through prophets, priests, and kings. Israel had been a nation in waiting, and they now had in their midst the very long-awaited Messiah. We so recently sung about him in this service, but also over Christmas, about this long-awaited Messiah who came. And after about three years of life and ministry and mentoring these people and discipling them and calling them forward and drawing them out of culture and into his kingdom culture, there was a plot formed by the Jewish leaders uh, who, deceived by the enemy at the time, decided it was the right thing to do to take Jesus out because they were threatened, they were frustrated, and they were jealous. And they chose to have him arrested, falsely accused, and convicted, and they condemned him to death, even death on a cross. And they should have known what this was going to be. 
if they were the religious leaders, but they didn't see him for who he really was. This whole thing was a part of the master plan of God to redeem and restore humanity, to have right relationship with him again, reconciled onto Jesus through his death. But as was also prophesied on the third day, Jesus rose again from the dead, which we sung about just a moment ago, and he, he then was empowered by the Holy Spirit, resurrected to life, and he appeared to over 400 people over the period of 40 years, or sorry, 40 days, encouraging them, building them up, and preparing them for, their, for his departure, his ascension, and his return to the Father. So this, when I say this is where we find ourselves this morning, this is that moment. All of that, yes, that, that was 33 years condensed into about three and a half minutes of life. Uh, all of that happened. And now, these same disciples are standing with Jesus somewhere on a hillside overlooking the valley. And they say to him, is it, is it time? They gather around him. They know that his time is short with them. I don't know about you, when you have somebody in your life that's important and their time is short, the time with them matters, right? Uh, we listen to the words they speak. We, we want to hear. We want to make sure relationship is right. We want to make sure we got everything we could out of that relationship and moment before they go from us. And this is that place they find themselves. They're like, is there anything more, Jesus? Are you actually going to redeem and restore Israel in this case, the disciples show their Jewish nationalism and their desire for Jesus to take on the ideal messianic identity that they have for him, the one that they want him to bring forward. Jesus has already identified as the Messiah and the King of the Jews, just not the way that they thought he would. So they ask the question found in verse 6, is it time? Jesus, is it time? We've been patient with you. <laughs> Most of us, except those two. But we have been patient, Jesus. Is it time? Will you overthrow the Romans now? Will you rise up and restore Israel to its former glory? Is it time? Jesus had been talking about, uh, talking about and teaching about the kingdom now for some time, and they had their version of what the kingdom looked like, and they wanted to see it come. Verse 7, Jesus answers their misunderstood questions by telling them that this is a question not for him, but for his father, and it's his father's business that he's not going to speak to them about. He's being asked thousands of questions by these guys. And here's one that they go, what? We don't get to know? Jesus presses pause on that, and I love how Jesus does this. He redirects their questions with a better idea. I think there's questions we all have that sometimes we need a better idea for, right? We need to reframe on some of the things that we say. We have these what-if moments, and Jesus is like, okay, that's great that you think that, but what if I'm about to do something wonderful in the place where you think there's fear? What if I want to empower you, but I can't because you're too busy focusing on what is else going on in your world? What if? So he redirects the question with a better question with implications for the kingdom that he is actually ushering in, not the one they're hoping he will. In these final words in Acts 1.8 to them, he reprioritizes and repositions the kingdom and also the presence of Holy Spirit in their lives, which he has been teaching and talking to them about for the last season. He kept telling them when the Holy Spirit comes, here's what's going to happen. Now they are right on the edge of this. 
He tells them they'll have power to fulfill the kingdom calling and mission that he's given them and commissioned them and that he's about to give them that day to release them into this. After this, he would not be physically present with them, but would be spiritually present with them by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, his kingdom would come, his will would be done and accomplished on earth as, on earth as it is in heaven, just not through his physical manifest presence anymore. This is a big deal. Up to this point in time, everything that happened in the kingdom, he did, and then started to say, now you go try, but he was still with them. Up to this point, he was one man changing and transforming lives, but rather now, as an increasing multitude of followers, apprentices, empowered by the Holy Spirit to go and do and be and bring kingdom culture, influence, power, and authority into the world around them, they could go all over the place. Not just one person manifest present here, right here, right now. But like us, about to leave this room in a few short minutes and go to many places, in many homes, in many cultures, all over this community. Jesus was present in one place at one time with them. We are present in many. This is important and has implications for this. Previous to this, Jesus even went as far as to tell them, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Because I'm going to the Father. Uh, this is a significant statement in light of what Jesus did in his life. We all love the stuff Jesus did in his life. We're like, yep, yeah, that's great. Now he's saying, you, 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 go do it. Empowered by my presence, you go do it. As one person, he did a lot as 11 disciples or 150 or so followers, as millions and millions of believers since then, Empowered by his Holy Spirit, we can do so much. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you this, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Speaking of the Holy Spirit. In his final words, according to Luke's gospel, a final blessing as well, uh, before Jesus was taken up to heaven, he offered a blessing to them. Now everyone idea, has ideas of what this might have looked like, uh, that whole idea of going away on the clouds. Um, I mean, as a kid, okay, put your child hat on for a second. Some of you, this is a couple of years removed. Some of you, this is, you're still there. You're in the zone, okay? Um, imagine Jesus leaving. What does that look like in your head? Everybody take a moment, think about it. Some of you have got like Jesus surfboard, okay? You, you've got Jesus on a cloud riding, being like, okay, guys, see you later. Uh, some of you see Jesus stepping into a cloud and disappearing, Right? Uh, we don't know exactly what that looked like, so I'm just putting this out here. Uh, we don't know exactly what it looked like. Speculation based on scripture, based on accounts that we have there, would be that he stepped into a cloud of some nature and then drifted away, and before long was gone. Okay, that's why they're looking, going, okay, where'd he go? But we don't know what that looked like. We just know that in the same way as he left, he will be returning, is what we were told by the angels there, but also according to Revelation 1-7, which references Daniel 7:13 to 14, that we know the Son of Man will be coming back on or in the clouds. That doesn't mean we sit and look at the clouds, though. Right? It means that we go and do the mission that God's given us until he returns. Uh, that's part of what it is. Uh, now, Jesus has been preparing his disciples for his ascension as he did, like, his death and resurrection. He talked to them about all this because he didn't want any of them to be surprised. Uh, three verses primarily that we see this present for Jesus talking to his disciples, though there is others as well. The first is John 3.13. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. 
Okay, so Jesus is saying, I'm going to be going to heaven, but I actually came from there. Okay, remember he says he's the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one goes to the Father except through him. Okay, he actually knows the way, because he is the way, but he has also come from heaven. Uh, second one, uh, then, uh, then what if you see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? So he's saying, I've actually been there before. This is, this is not a new thing for me. And the third is, Jesus said, do not hold on to me, uh, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. Okay, so he's saying this is part of what's going on here. Um, now, this might all sound a bit crazy at first, but an ascension is not a big uh, foreign concept to people of this time. You're like, what? <laughs> Was there a lot of ascensions? No, not a lot of ascensions. Um, there is a couple, though, historically, that people would talk about here. Um, in this culture and in various cultures around the world at the time, there was ascension accounts. Generally, though, we see these in the Greeks, for example, uh, such as Heracles. Uh, we see him being actually, um, upon his death, ascending into uh, his, his experience of heaven, what that would look like to become a god. But can you hear this? It's important. Upon his death, he actually became a god, lower G god. Okay, now that's an important thing to hear because there's a differentiation here that's important. In the Acts account, we have Jesus alive, resurrected, fully God, fully man, ascending back to the Father, already God and man, going to the Father not to become a God, but as God. Another example would have been a bit more familiar to the Jewish hearers of the time was of Elijah being carried away on, on that fiery chariot right in front of his, his disciple, Elisha. Okay, now, they would have been aware of this because this would have been part of the story that would have been carried along. And as good young Jewish people, they would have been raised with this narrative and understanding of this. Um, so in this story, we have Elijah not passing, is what we see. He didn't die in this, but he was carried off to God. One of a few people that we have story of this, we have Enoch. We have something to do maybe potentially with Moses. We don't understand how that worked. But really, there is only very few. But he's carried away. And one of the things that happens here that I think is important is that when he's carried away, his servant, his uh, apprentice, his follower, Elisha, asked the Lord for a double portion. A double portion of the calling, the gifting, the abilities, the anointings that his master carried. And we see that he got them. In the same way, Jesus leaves, and when he leaves and goes back to the Father, what do his disciples and apprentices and followers get? The Holy Spirit. They get all the things and callings and giftings that Jesus has had because he was empowered by the Holy Spirit the same way, and then they go and do it. Elisha did the things that his master did. The followers of Jesus are called to go and do the things that Jesus did. This is where we find ourselves today. Now, as Jesus ascends to heaven, he does so with the promise to his apprentices of the Holy Spirit, as I mentioned. So what are these benefits of the ascension? Here's, here's a couple. There's many that we could go into today, but nobody needs me to talk for as long as, as I would if that was the case. So uh, benefits of the ascension. Number one is we have an advocate before the Father who is alive and well. This is Jesus. The ascended Christ is our advocate before God at the throne of heaven. He is our perfect high priest, and he intercedes on our behalf. He himself became the high priest and perfect high priest when he was also sacrificed as the perfect sacrifice. 
Okay? So he carries everything necessary in on himself to become the perfect sacrifice as well as the perfect high priest who intercedes now on our behalf. He carries all of that. And because he is victorious and exalted to the right hand of the Father, as Revelation 3 says, he is now seated on the throne with his Father. Okay, that's a big deal. Number two, uh, because of this, we've been sent and given the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, unless I go, I can't send the Holy Spirit. So Jesus could have aged out as a human at some point in time and died and returned to the Father, but that would have been it. But because he, sent, he sends or goes to the Father and sends the Spirit, we are able to receive the Spirit and have access to everything that God has given us through him. The ascension matters, especially at this point in time in his life. Okay? If he would have just died, he would have just returned to the Father. Because he was fully alive and resurrected, he returns the Father and sends the, son, or the Spirit as a result. Number three, we have access to heaven and the resources of the kingdom because he has done this through his ascension and come in bodily human form and now return to the Father. Because of this, we can boldly approach the throne of heaven. Did you know that we couldn't do this before? Humanity couldn't approach God in any way, shape, or form before this. But we're told now that we can boldly approach the throne of heaven because Jesus ascended, we can have an ascended life. Uh, this sermon I've called The Ascension and the Ascended Life as a result. Okay, Jesus has ascended, and now we have an ascended life that we can live as well. So track with me for a couple minutes through Scripture. I'm going to bomb through some Scripture for a couple minutes, but I want you to see where I'm going. This will make sense. So in Ephesians 1, 17 to 23, we have a profound picture of Christ being raised up into heavenly places, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is seated not just above, but far above all powers, authorities, rulers, and is at the right hand of the Father. Okay? So now he's just not ascended up, and it's like, okay, now we'll see how it goes. He's actually above all things. His victory puts him above everything. Where the enemy had tried to kill him, now he is above all of that. Okay? So this is important. It's going to come back around for us. So Ephesians 1, 17 to, 17 to 23. It's up on the screen. Uh, I love this passage of scripture because it says something to me and you that's really important. And I'm going to grab it in a second. He says this, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. If we could press pause and if that was the entire preach today, that would be wonderful. That one line should change everything. Okay? Um, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So that you and I can actually know him better. Do you know God wants to know you and he wants you to know him better? And he's made everything possible through sending his spirit. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may have the hope and know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. So when you believe, there's a power that you have access to. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly realms. Far above, not just above, far above every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things. Can everybody in the room say all things? All things. Not some things or a few things. All things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything in the church, uh, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So this is an important passage of scripture to grab into for us. Because of what he has done for us, we're able to be with him and we are able to experience everything that he has for us. 
And as the next scripture says, we are actually not just in him and with him, but hidden in him. So Colossians uh, 3 uh, says this, Colossians 3, 1 to 4. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We've just heard this, we affirm this to be true. There it is. Now set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So I think a lot of times what happens is we get that we will appear with him in glory part of this. Okay, we register eternity. We're like, yep, Christian, following Jesus, I get to go to heaven. According to the old song, heaven's a wonderful place filled with glory and grace. I want to see my Savior's face because heaven is a wonderful place. I want to go there. Old song for those of you who are old song people. Here's the thing. There it is. Okay, we've got a fist pump, so we know we're in the right zone. Um, here's the thing. This is not just about eternity in the kingdom of God and eternity. This is about his kingdom coming here and his being done here now. Watch where this goes. Okay. We're not only hidden with him, we're also invited to sit with him and do life with him and access the resources of the king and the kingdom. So Ephesians 2, 4 to 10, great passage of scripture. But, but is a great word, make sure you read on both sides. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we are dead in transgressions, it, uh, it is by grace you have been saved and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Press pause. What? That's an important line. Good morning. It's an important line. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms. The word seated is an important word before we go any further. He didn't say and gave us a seat to occupy someday. This is a past tense word here. He seated us. Okay, I'll go, I'll, I'll go further and come back to this, but this is important seated us um, in heavenly realms in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Okay, so that line there is important. That past tense word seated is important. That means you are already seated with Christ in God in heavenly places. This is a kingdom reality here that we're looking at, not just a kingdom future potential. So verse 6 is a game changer. The seat in heavenly places is not merely a place of rest or for rest in the future. It is a place of privilege, a place of access, a place of power, and a place where we can go and experience the presence of God, but also his kingdom resources for each one of us. And none of this comes at any credit to us. I can't earn it. I can't deserve it. But I can receive it. So, where we, are mat where we are seated matters. I think we all get this. Where you're seated in here matters. You see things, experience things differently when you're in a room. We need to understand that we are seated above. But we need to not become aware just of this for as a future reality, but as a kingdom reality for here and now. Meaning this, if you are feeling like you are in the muck and the mire of life, you are stuck, you are feeling challenged right now, you don't just have to reach out to God and go, oh God, oh God, oh God, please help. Hopefully you can. I said this at the start. We can pray and say, God, what, what do you want to do? We are relationally 
seated with Christ and God in heavenly places. This is an intimate position and reality for each one of us. As much as I can be seated at a table with you, we are in the same way seated with Christ in God in heavenly places. Able to look across the table, invited to the table to come and have conversation with him. I said before the service to some of my friends here that God is continuously articulate. According to A.W. Tozer, he's continuously articulate. He's always speaking. He wants to be heard. For me, this is a pivotal game changer in my, mo in my faith, this moment when I realize that I am seated with Christ in God in heavenly places. How I deal with spiritual warfare, how I deal with spiritual authority, how I deal with what comes against me at any given time, how I deal with the challenges of life, how I pray for people is different based on this. Because I'm not hoping that God hears me. I'm seated with him knowing that he hears me. We are seated above, with, and in Jesus. The question is, do we often live from above or below? I think more often than not, we act and live as if we live from below. I know I do. I sometimes forget that I'm seated there. But when we're living from below only, we have a perspective that operates in only what we can see, experience, and encounter with our physical eyes and heart and ears. I don't see anything changing. I don't see God doing when we live from above the ascended life that Christ has made possible for us, we have access to what he has, the resources of heaven, his peace, his love, his hope, his wisdom. I can ask and invite that and receive it and believe that it can be true. I mean, even last night, I was laying in bed just before sleep and I had a little bit of anxiousness come over me at one point in time. And I pictured myself just sitting with Jesus. He's the prince of peace. And so I received his peace. I said, Jesus, I need your peace. Can I receive that? And I settled down and I went right to sleep. It was wonderful. This is available to us if we understand that he has this for us and we step in. Do our actions and reactions speak as though we live from above or below, though? That's the question. The writer of Hebrews says this <clears throat> in uh, Hebrews uh, 4, 14. He says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with us in our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Are you in a time of need? Ephesians 3.12 says, In him and through faith in him we, have, uh, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Do you know that God wants you to approach him? He's not some distant, far-off reality. In Christ, we are both in the throne room in every given moment and also here, right present, right now. That's a big picture reality to consider. When we understand this, though, when we take hold of the truth of who he says we are and who he is and who we are to him, we can live differently in every environment we find ourselves in because we know who we are and because we know who we're with. Um, for example, um, who you're seated with matters, right? Who you're seated with matters. If you're a kid who was bullied and your enemies are around you and you're sitting at a table and they're all looking at you and they're saying things, if your dad walks into the room and sits down beside you, how does that change things? If you have a good dad. 
If you're a, a student and you're at a, an event at the school and all of a sudden you're alone and you don't know anyone in the room and then your best friend walks in and sits down with you, how does that change things? If you're feeling unsafe at a restaurant because somebody of your past who is not kind to you walks in or somebody who appears unsafe walks in, but then a police officer is the next one to walk in, how do you feel? Who you're seated with matters. How do you know that when you're seated, uh, who you're seated with and who you allow to speak into your lives at any given moment uh, has the ability to elevate you in Christ, to deviate you off the path he has for you, or to allow you to wallow in where you find yourself? Okay? The people who we do life with can do this. But also, if we choose to sit with Jesus, he will always elevate us up into the kingdom. He will always draw us into deeper life and intimacy with him, and he will always give us what he has for us, not just what the world has. When our eyes and our hearts and our minds and souls find their focus, affection, and attention on Jesus, we have the ability to embrace the truth of who he says we are, and also to embrace everything that he has for us that we need. He is sufficient for every circumstance, every situation and challenge. His wisdom knows no end. His peace cannot be overthrown. His hope can anchor our souls even in the most desperate of times. His love can transform us. But his love is also bigger than our biggest fears and will never meet its match when it runs into him. His love will always draw us deeper as it drives out the fear that comes against us. His suffering allows us to identify in suffering with him. Uh, his joy knows no bounds, and his joy is always afforded to us in the spirit when we come to him. He is the healer of our bodies, the deep wounds of our souls. He is the one who makes our spirits come to life, and he is the sanctifier of the sinner in the deepest, darkest of places. His death, his resurrection, and his life make everything possible as we come and boldly approach his throne. Isn't he sufficient? Isn't he wonderful? And isn't he enough for you today? Because Jesus died and was resurrected and then ascended to heaven, we have unprecedented access to the kingdom of God and the throne room of heaven. We also have the empowering, filling presence of the Holy Spirit. We have both held beautifully in tension. This affects our spiritual authority, our spiritual abilities, and our spiritual callings. All this makes sense and grows as we are with Jesus and intimately connected with him and coming and being seated at the table with him, welcomed, not just as guests, but as friends and as sons and daughters. Jesus has made all this possible, and now he invites us to come and meet with him, to dine with him, and to remember him. Today we have a wonderful opportunity in front of us. We have the opportunity to come to the communion table. This moment where we both remember and we celebrate Jesus and what he has done and everything I've been talking about today that he has made possible for us. So I'm going to invite the communion servers and Pastor Dave as well as the worship team to come and find their places. Perhaps you don't know Jesus yet, but today has been a day where your heart has maybe become a little bit more open to him. Uh, perhaps you've gone, that Jesus makes sense to me. What I've seen and heard before, I'm not sure about, but today that settles on my soul. Um, I would invite you, friends, if this is something that you are interested in, you want to go deeper, I would invite you, and you've never met Jesus, to either invite him today and welcome him, to talk to part of our prayer team this morning, or to consider Alpha.
I ran Alpha for many years at my previous church. Uh, it's a wonderful place to investigate Jesus. If you do know Jesus, this table is present for you. This is that place where we both celebrate and remember him and what he's done for us. So um, we're going to do communion through the, the form of rip and dip, which sounds funny, but we don't actually rip the bread today. But we are taking bread. And what I want to encourage you with is the word to receive. Okay? We can't, we can't come and take it. We can't come and rob it, so to speak. We can't walk away with it other than unless we've received it from him. So we're going to take a moment. We're going to invite everyone, if you're able, to come forward. Uh, if you're up on the balcony, there's servers up there as well. Uh, go towards the servers. And so, servers, would you come and would you grab the elements, please? We also have gluten-free for those who are looking for that. There are crackers available as well as juice that will not be dipped by any other bread. And what we'll invite you to do is to come and to receive the bread, to dip it in tinction style, dip it into the cup, and then to receive. Is that right, Dave? Okay, and to receive it, and then go back to your seats. So would you come? <laughs> 